and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk a little about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. If you've got any questions for us, we'd love to take your phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a minute. You can also find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. With our topic today and plant growth regulators, plant growth hormones, let me just say this. Um, like in our area, we've been about 20 degrees above normal every day for a week now. And that's following up a period where in a bunch of May, we were 10 to 20 degrees below normal just about every day. So it went from super cold to super hot. And all of a sudden now people are like, whoa, the corn's really growing. Well, of course it's really growing. Corn matures based on heat. Corn grows based on heat. And when you have more heat, then you're going to have more overall uh, hormone hormonal activity in the plant. You're going to have more growth and it's things are going to explode. Now, on the flip side, you've got soybeans. A lot of farmers who raise corn also raise soybeans. And almost every year as we get toward late June, I get I get a few phone calls from worried farmers saying, well, my corn looks really good. It's waist high now. Boy, it's really taken off. But the beans are puny. <laughs> yep, that's just the way beans work. Don't get too worried about it. And by the way, beans, soybeans do not mind this heat. They do not mind a little bit of dry weather early. Soybean yields are made later on when you have if you have moisture. So it's not a huge deal if you're a little dry during the summer, and I'll give you the example of 2012. So in 2012, supposedly we had the worst drought we'd had since 1937. We went almost three months on our farm with zero rain. You think about that, in the middle of the summer. So we went from, our last rain was like May 3rd or something like that, and then we got a rain right at the end of July. I'm gonna say it was like July 27th or 29th, something like that. So anyway, we'd gone almost three months with no rain. And a lot of people gave up on their crop and they said, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to spend a dollar. Well, we continued to, I'm not going to say spend a lot of dollars, but do a few things for soybeans. So for example, that year we had soybean aphids. We sprayed for soybean aphids. A lot of guys said, no, I'm done. The beans aren't going to yield anything anyway. Well, thank goodness we sprayed for soybean aphids. Insects, diseases, weeds, everything are going to affect your crop more in dry years than they will in wet years. Okay, that's a fact. So on a dry year, don't give up with soybeans because guess what happened? We got rain at the end of July, first part of August. We averaged 56 bushel soybeans, even though we'd had no rain for almost three months. Think about that. And that includes our worst ground. Our best ground was 70 bushel beans. So you don't want to give up too early and don't lose hope just because, oh, we got a couple of weeks of super hot, dry weather. Things are rolling up a little bit. Hopefully, we're going to get some rain. Just got to uh, apparently do a little more praying, and uh, maybe we'll get some. Now, uh, Darren was just telling me before the show, apparently some guys in North Dakota prayed a little too hard because they got as much as nine inches of rain in one day. Honestly, at this point, Darren, I think I might take the nine inches. 
Well, I know there were some guys that were saying, well, you know what? I'd rather take the crop insurance right now than have it drought out. I'd and never <laughs> rather take the problem. crop insurance. I agree. Never, ever, we're ever. farmers. We grow crops. That's what right. we do. And the one thing about it is with that nine-inch stuff that came really fast, half of it soaked in, half of it ran off. Well, the half that soaked in, as soon as you can get back in the field, man, you got lots of moisture there to grow another crop. So, I mean, there is a <laughs> yeah. positive, but I agree. It really stinks. And for the guys who lost crop, yeah. for the property damage and stuff that happened just terrible and i certainly feel for you all right so again today we'll talk about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones but right now let's get to the ag phd mailbag it's the mailbag all right brian a couple of questions here to get to hopefully Uh, this first one's from tim and he said i I watch your show and like the information. I've only been farming for a few years, but I got a big question for you. Can I no-till corn into a standing hay field that has not been cut and then burn it off after I plant? Sure you can. The issue that we have is, especially in a year like this, if if you were in our area, I would say absolutely you can. But is there going to be enough moisture to raise that corn crop? that gets to be the real problem. So yeah, there are a lot of people around the United States, for example, that will plant into a living cover crop. It, our concern is always moisture loss. Our other concern would be nutrient removal and that kind of thing. You got to make sure you put enough nutrients out there for that hay crop that you're going to take, plus the corn crop that you want to raise. But yeah, you better have plenty of moisture after that because right now your soil is really depleted for moisture if you're in an area like ours. All right, I got this one from Andreas in Sweden, and he said one change that's happened since the 1990s is as we've seen four out of five farmers get out of the business and the farmers who remain get dramatically bigger. I don't necessarily think this is good for the countryside. Are there any pros that have come about as there have been less people coming back to farms, or have you not seen that trend? Well, we have seen that trend in the United States here, but... Also, I would just say when the operation's a little bigger, it does require a little bit more help in some cases. But let me let me just put it to you this way. When Darren and I were kids on the farm, there were a lot of people around here that had livestock and they crop farmed. Well, today the livestock has really gotten concentrated. If you think the crop farming is concentrated, the livestock has really gone that direction. So you don't you don't need the extra help for the livestock. But nevertheless, I mean, it does take some help to get, you know, to farm. Like for us, we farm 3,000 acres. We have three guys that work for us on the farm. Um, How many would that have taken 20 years ago, 40 years ago? Would have taken more than three. I know that. So, yes, uh, there's been some consolidation, but it has really slowed down here in the last 10, 15, 20 years, something like that. A lot of people still talk about it, but you look at the numbers, and the numbers just haven't changed all that much, in part because I think a lot of people have jobs in town, and then they continue to what they will call hobby farm. Um, but I call it actual farming because they're, 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 they're doing a good job, and they're making some money off the farm, and it's it's all good. But, yeah, and, and whether it's good or bad, I, I guess... You know, it just is it, right. It just it is. So we just have to deal with it, and we move on from there. And so our job here at Ag PhD is to help all farmers, regardless of size. We don't care. If you just started, if you've been farming for fifty years, we don't care. We're trying to help you all the time. All right, we're going to talk about plant growth regulators right after this. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine. 
because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our topic is going to be plant growth regulators and plant hormones, but our phone lines will be open throughout the hour here to take your calls and agronomic questions, 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. And you know, Brian, we still are the weed of the week, guys, so not surprising that Colin would call from Iowa right now with a question on weed control. Colin, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Uh, it sounds like we might be better than you, though. You might have a weed challenge out there on your farm. Yep. So I'm uh, 19. I uh, just started farming this year. I got my first 80 rented, which is really exciting. Yeah, he congratulations. Did food grade, yep. He did food grade soybeans, so he had some weed pressure problems. So we got our pre of atrazine and balance flex put down and then just sprayed our posts probably four or five days ago of atrazine, Roundup Power Max, Diflex, and Mesotrine. And uh, that really smoked everything off. It looked really clean, but then I started scouting, and then two days later, now we already got giant ragweed coming back up. And it's uh, kind of thick. It's kind of patchy, but just curious, what can I go back out there and spray with? Okay, just as a quick review here, so I, I'm sure I caught this. You got balance, you had balance flex and atrazine pre, right? Yep. Okay, and then post-emerge, you had diflex, atrazine, roundup. And did you say mesotrione is your last thing, or what was your last thing yep. that you said? Yeah, I'm not sure how to say that. Yeah, that sounds right. <sighs> okay, are you planning to go back to corn again next year? Uh, Please say yes. No, no, you're not. <laughs> so um, you, you put balance flex down. That's an HPPD. 
you put Miso try on over the top. What rate did you use of the Miso? Do you do you know? Was it three ounces? Yep, it is. Okay, yep. You're going to be in, or and, going and corn and again next year. And two shots atrazine, Brian. Yeah, and two shots atrazine. Um, so, yeah, I, and you can obviously hey, do common what, common program, Colin. This isn't you aren't the only guy. No, that uses this is that. not. No, no, I, no, no. No, there are a lot of folks across the country mm, that do this. No, Most of them are further south, but but there are people that do that. Okay, so anyway, you've you've doubled up on HPPD. You got Balance Flex, and you've got Meso, and the so our concern is going to be carry over into next year. That's what we're worried about. Plus, you've got atrazine out there, which also could potentially carry over, especially as pH goes up. So, yeah, I'll just you, – you do whatever you want to do. But before we answer the other question, let's talk about this thing. And I would just say if this was my field, there's zero chance I'd plant soybeans out there next year. Zero. So, Because okay. I don't want good beans. I want great beans. And Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to pay the bills. And in order to pay the bills, we got to have big-time yields. So, anyway, no, I would absolutely go corn next year which is not the end of the world, but just so you know, that's that's the, the challenge you've got. Now, here's the other challenge you've got. You've already used Diflex, so Dicamba. You've used uh, HPBD twice out there, and you still have giant ragweed. I know. I can't believe it. Well, we haven't well, put it. We haven't put a group fifteen out for any help. That's not the greatest on giant ragweed. It's not going to do any good. Just trying to think now. of any other chemistries well, okay. that we haven't thrown out there uh, okay, yet. Okay, and and let's step back. If you if you would have come to me this spring and said, Brian, I got eighty acres, and the guy was raising food grade soybeans, so there are a lot of weeds out there, I would say first we're going to start with verdict. So that's outlook plus sharpen. So a group fifteen which you haven't used, and a PPO which you you didn't use. And that would have taken out most of your giant ragweed right off the bat. And then you can come with your combination that you did. I don't have any problem with your combination, your post-combination. Diflex, atrazine, Roundup, Meso. That probably would have cleaned everything up because the Outlook Sharpen would have given you better control than the Balance Flex atrazine. So that's what I would have done and what I would have recommended. But even then, are you going to get 100% of that giant ragweed out of there? You know, I, I have to hope so, but when it's an absolute weedy mess, it, it's hard. We've dealt with the same kind of thing over the years, Colin, and I feel for you, and I also especially feel for you because when you're just getting started farming, unfortunately, people don't want to give you their best ground. They want to give you their worst ground. That's usually the stuff you end up picking up. ground, but... Just, yeah, well, there's some weed there. Yeah, but I, I just mean, yeah, it's it, not everything is perfect. Let me rephrase that. So, yeah, I'm sure the ground is fine, but you got some challenges you have to work through. But, yeah, I, at this point, what are you going to take giant ragweed out with? I don't know. Darren, do you got any suggestions on this? It's it's tough. It's tough because we've, we've, we've used almost everything up already. Yeah, I didn't catch when you were first reading your post program that you had Diflex in there too, and I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess that's my option." I don't like spraying Diflex this late or status this late, but it is labeled. I guess you could do it. Yep. So, so I did go, go six ahead. ounces an acre on the Diflex. So yep. could I come back with another six ounces because I'm not maxed out there? Okay. Well, you could come back with that, but. We, we got a couple issues. Um, first of all, even though there's a safener in there, you're, you're at V6 now. So we're going to worry yeah, about how, right, we're going to worry about how good that safener is going to do. And then the next problem is heat. The safener won't do as well when it's this hot and the plant's growing that fast, number one. And number two, you got more risk for volatility and drift. So, I, I mean, I, plus the fact that six more ounces of Diflex on a plant that just got hit with Diflex, how long ago did you spray, you say? 
Two weeks? It was probably four or five days ago. Oh, man. Yeah, you, you, you can't do anything for a while. So that, that plant is still trying to metabolize that dicamba. Now, yeah, and, I, and I would say this. There's several things here. Roundup, which probably isn't going to kill all the giant ragweed. Uh, it no, may kill some. Lots. That's really slow. And the Callisto can be kind of slow, too. So yes. it's possible that, that maybe it's just slow. Did, were there additives in there, like oils or anything else in the spray mix? There was uh, aqua draft. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, but but let let's put it this way. It's a drift agent. It's a drift agent for oh, the um. Okay. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. So it could be the reason why the miso didn't work as well as you want is there wasn't enough oil in there. Usually, when we spray miso, we'll say you got to throw some crop oil or methylated seed oil with it. That helps. Um, here's the other thing. In the future, if you have a, just a weed disaster, and hopefully you don't ever, but we will always tell people status is by far the best thing. So if you compare status to Diflex, Atrazine, Roundup, Meso, there is no comparison. Status is so much better. Now, it's more expensive, but it's it's much better. So that that in the future is an option for you, but you just simply can't do it because you already put dicamba on that plant. We can't double it up on dicamba now, or we know the safener isn't going to work we know you're going to roll your corn up or i should say lodge it a little bit so that's out so that i, I honestly if it was my ground i'd give it a little time and i'd hope for rain do you, do you think if we get rain because we are yep. we've got four inches today that's nine inches below average yep. do you think if we get a little rain within the next couple of days that could help it out it absolutely will the problem is uh, a half an inch of rain isn't going to do you much good it's going to take at least an inch if not two and then you'll see some reach back out of some of these products that you've sprayed like the diflex the atrazine the meso and i'll guarantee you you've got balanced flex left from early in the year you got atrazine left from early in the year all those things have activity on your giant ragweed so if you get a good shot of rain it, it's going to ding it up. It's not going to probably kill everything you got, but at least it's going to ding it up. Because at this point, we don't have a lot of good answers for you. You can't, I mean, the only the only things left are tough and buckthrow, uh, resource. I mean, but none of those things are, are very good on giant ragweed. So I, I wish we had better news for you here today, no, but I can't the think other of anything option, else. The other option is cultivation. And if we're dry, well, like if you want to throw that out, can. then let's talk about hand weeding. Sure, I mean you've oh, got I've those options. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's frustrating. So I, I guess, unfortunately, we don't have a good answer for you herbicide wise. But especially when you just sprayed four or five days ago, it's still possible you're going to knock some of those plants down yet. So I, I mean, are they just thick out there yet, or what? Um, so like it burned down, I was trying to say, but then now there's like more seedings coming up. So they're about half an inch tall. Oh yeah. They're just coming up. Okay. Yep. And, and for the brand new stuff that's out there, and I guess that's kind of where I was going in part two, you've got meso, atrazine, diflex and balance flex that is still sitting out there. And with a good rain, you're going to push whatever is residual in the soil into those plants. And it is absolutely possible to get reach back on half inch tall to even sometimes inch tall weeds. I'm not saying it's great, but it's it's definitely pretty good. So our our suggestion is you do nothing other than pray for rain and hope for the best. Well, at least I don't have to pay, uh, pay more money to go for rain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, hey, thanks for the call, Colin, and uh, hope things turn out well for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees, too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from Newf New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. Right before the break, we're talking with Colin from Iowa about his giant ragweed. And uh, we got a text over our break from our good friend Trevor Dale with Valent. And he said, hey, how about Stinger? Yep, you're right, Trevor. I forgot about Stinger, or I mean Hornet. Uh, so... We don't know if this giant ragweed is resistant to ALS herbicides. That's why the python in the hornet may or may not help at all. But stinger helps. I've never thought stinger's that great on giant ragweed, but you absolutely could use it. But Darren and I were talking during the break, and and Darren goes, "Well, there's another reason he's going to have to go corn if he he if he does use that because." 
this late in the season with no rain, you put Stinger out there, there's a decent chance it's going to carry over into your beans next year. So, you know, we'd already said, hey, you got to go corn anyway. So worst case scenario, and Colin, if you're still listening, uh, you could go out there with some Stinger here, but I'd still give it time. You sprayed just a few days ago, so you got to give it a little bit of time. Stinger's labeled up to 24-inch corn, by the way. Our next guest has some experience raising food-grade crops. It's Kip Cullors down in Missouri. Kip, thanks for hanging on there for us. Yeah, how's it going today? You know, back in our pre-Roundup days, we used to run atrazine and crop oil. To, sure. Um, you know, I give, give a lot of talks, and, and I'd always ask guys, how many guys ever raise crops without Roundup? You know, and, and it's surprising on how many younger farmers out there has always been around Roundup Ready Crops, but I can remember when we used to run atrazine and crop oil to, to take that small, especially one-inch weeds, that'd be pretty easy to take out with that. Yeah, it's just a challenge. He had used up so many modes of action. He'd already used atrazine twice. He'd used HPPDs twice. Uh, dicamba, but Roundup. he hadn't put crop oil in with this second pass, and I'm with you, Kip. You know, you add the crop oil, that really helps with a lot of things. Yeah, it heats it up. I mean, because back when we didn't have Roundup, I mean, we just didn't have much in our arsenal. And, and uh, well, you really, you stayed on top of things and, and uh, raising the green beans. Hey, I sent Glenn green bean seed up there for your field day. I wonder if he got that. I think he did. I think he got a number of different crops out there, and he's kind of excited about that, too, <laughs> just to have some different things to look at. And I, I told him, I, I said, I hope you got a good crew to hand weed some of these things at the field day site because some of those crops that he's putting in the ground, I'm not exactly sure how you control the weeds in them. Well, he's supposed to check with me. I've already given him always pre-emerge uh, uh, stuff, so – um, all I'm going to let him put down is eight tenths of a pint of dual pre-plant on them green beans, and then I've got a, and then we're going to, I've got a, I'll, I'll probably have to send a chemical up there to him because he probably won't have any, but Sandy, which would be the same thing as oh, permit yeah. yep, yep. and Mastogram. So uh, that's basically all we can do out there, and then about any, any anything to control grass, a sure, select, post, that's pretty easy. But uh, And we got to watch the PHI on all that. Yeah, it's it's gonna be gonna be interesting as as he's doing. All, you're right. You got to be very timely with a lot of those things. And one other thing, our topic today: plant growth regulators, plant hormones. These are things that are pretty timely too. And you do so much research, Kip, really around the world. We get a ton of respect for you. Does anybody around the world have a great handle on exactly where we need to be at for hormone levels? at different stages of crop growth and is there a test to see what the hormone levels are that's a really good question i have experimented with that i have tried in small plots where we would actually run hormones every week and uh i tell you to be honest with you a lot of that we'd get it so messed up that it actually hurts you but uh, i got a really good example so we were spraying green beans a couple weeks ago. We were spraying our herbicide, and we've been really cool and really wet and just like 125th coldest May on record. And there's where the hormones, when you're cool and wet, that's when those real, like especially the gibberic acid, uh, that's when it really shines. And Naaman was spraying, and he called me. And he said, Dad, I can't get this pivot. I said, don't mess with the pivot. Just spray around it. There's not that many weeds there. And to this day, 
a mile and a half away, you can see that spot in the field because it's still pale. Wow. And it, and it's half the size. And uh, But now that's when the hormones really, really pay big dividends. Like where you guys right now are really hot and dry, I don't know you're going to see that big a benefit with it. We were just having that debate this morning talking about, you know, a lot of the hormones are to enhance root growth, but wow, you look at some of the root systems on these little plants out there, they're really going down deep trying to get moisture already. Yeah. Well, so down in Brazil, you know, there's a lot of, it's real sandy down there and you get into some places where it's really, you know, what they would consider dry, not raining for two weeks, but when you're trying to farm on white beach sand, you know, it's got to rain pretty regular. And my guys down there would be really guilty about the farmer would say, if it works here, it'll work everywhere. And my argument always was, was you can't go putting that on your worst ground and expect a miracle because it's not a miracle. But uh, what I've noticed, on it does help if, if it does get a little bit dry because it does drive roots. It drives root development, I guess would be the proper way to say it. And it does increase your root mass. And which, if you do get dry, you're able to have a more surface area or, or deeper roots to, to bring up water. Yeah, and you mentioned this isn't this isn't a silver bullet. It's just one piece of the puzzle that can can help enhance. Because if you get more roots, but there's still no plant food there and still no water, it really isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. Absolutely, it's not a miracle drug. And if you if you're lacking P and K. Hormones is probably the last thing you need to be going to the toolbox and, and grabbing. You you need to be taking care of other stuff first. Hey, you mentioned something, and I, and I love this. is one of the cool things that if for, for our listeners today, if you're listening you say, I've never heard Kip talk before, one of the things that Kip will talk about, and, and just like earlier, if you didn't catch this, he said he did some small plot work where they did some different plant hormones every week applied and really messed some things up. You can overdo it, can't you, Kip? Is it just more about the dosage each time? Is it about how close those applications are together, or is it both? It's both, and, and what I discovered probably was, was you get it so high, you know, what you get your plants out of balance. And uh, uh, it really, it, you can cause so much vegetative growth. You can, you know, that was probably the big thing for me was, was that we would just, we cause the plants to get, you know, I mean, literally, if you'd stand them up, they'd be six feet above your head. You just, you're just getting... You're, you're just getting stuff out of balance. Yeah, and like you mentioned, gibberellic acid to, to get a little more plant elongation and, and you get more above-ground growth. If you've got other hormones that are driving root growth, like you say, if you get them out of balance and you get all this this above-ground growth but no root system underneath it, you got a disaster or vice versa. Correct. And, and we always, what we try to do, we will try to run IBA with our gibberellic acid and the IBA is more for the roots, and the, the uh, gibberellic acid is more for above ground. Yeah, a lot of farmers will talk about this. We we will talk about Rise Up Smart Grass is a gibberellic acid product that we use, and we, we've seen some good luck with that, but it's not necessarily going to put 20 bushels on your corn or anything like that every time, but you can get you can get some more growth above ground. Right now, a lot of the guys in our area with the, the dry weather are focused more on the hormones. They're going to add a little bit more to that root system, and we're seeing a lot of those getting thrown in with uh, post-emerge applications as guys head through this first time across the 
the field. Do you see more benefit on the early side, or do you see more benefit with these hormones as you get towards reproduction? I personally like the the early side, but you can do it like soybeans right there at the flower stage or something. Uh, you'll see some you'll see some benefit. Another trick I figured out that you need to put a say a gallon of fertilizer like three eighteen eighteen uh nine eighteen nine something like that uh it magnifies that it gives it a little boost it's kind of like uh you know how you get a boost energy when you eat a Hershey's candy bar i think it's i think it's working the same way in the plant you're just kind of exciting that plant uh you're teasing with the hormones you're putting a little nutrients in there and i think it's more of a teaser the fertilizer but uh we get double the response out of hormones if we'll throw a gallon of some sort of nutrients out there with it. Wow, that is a that's a great tip. We're talking with Kip Colors here down in Missouri. Kip, we're out of time here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to crop disease, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on crop disease with DuPont Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one for healthier corn, soybean, or wheat crop that can deliver higher yield potential and increased revenue per acre. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. 
makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about plant growth regulators and plant hormones, also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag phd just before the break we were chatting with kip colors and he just mentioned one little tip that he had he's mixing at least one gallon of a 318 18 9 18 9 type fertilizer blend along with pgr applications and says he's getting double the impact out of them by having a little bit of plant food with them that that was an interesting uh uh, concept. Brian and I just over the break we're talking about man when we're doing when we're putting PGRs out. I guess we weren't necessarily intentionally putting fertilizer with it, but oftentimes we were putting some fertilizer out there at the same time. I uh, got our friend Rob Deadman with us down in the state of Arkansas. Rob, are you guys putting fertilizer with PGRs a lot of times, and you're putting them out there? Uh, yeah, we are. We've been um, we use a uh, ten o ten product with some boron in it. Usually, is what we're using as a carrier. When okay. we uh, when we put PGRs out, a lot of times, you know we we've got this hot dry situation here. You're certainly used to having some hot dry uh, years to get through. What's this year bringing for you? And are you making any adjustments to the program? Well, we've really had a, a, a bad a bad little weather pattern going on. We've been in a really cloudy period, um, and uh, over the last 24 hours, just just north of us, about eight, six or eight miles. They've had uh, over 15 inches of rain in a 24-hour period. Wow. So we've got a lot of flooding right now. Uh, our area, we probably had anywhere from four to six, depending on where you're at. So, you know, it, it's really wet. It's cloudy, but it's it's not real hot. So maybe uh, we can get rid of this water before we, we have a lot of damage to the, to the plants. There was a lot of wind, a lot of corns blown down. So it, it's been a pretty rough week for us. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the the only good thing is that we've got some crop that's got some size to it. Hopefully it can suck some of this water out here, too, along the way. But cloudy, that's one thing that we just can't control. If it's cloudy, it's going to be cloudy. And a lot of times we'll get farmers that will say, have you found sunshine in a bottle yet? Is there something we can do? And sometimes plant growth regulators and plant hormones get brought up. Could they replace sunshine, or is there anything you found when you get this cloudy weather that can even help? You know, we would hope that something like that would work. There, we we know there's no true replacement for 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 just good quality sunshine. Um, they the, the we could you know you can use some some hormones or some some PGRs to get to get these um, the IBAs the the cytokines things like that in the plant to get them going. Use some uh, sugars to help build some energies in the plants. Little you know fertility. Just something to give these plants a little kick to get them through their sunshine because it's just, you know, we were talking the other day about that, and it just we think that one of our limiting factors could be the quality of the sunshine we get, you know, especially early on in the season when we plant early and then we're dealing with all the spring weather and all that. Are we limiting ourselves on yield right there? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I know for us, for us, we've been getting nothing but sunshine. It seems we need a little rain. We need a balance in this whole thing. Uh, in in the early season, do you like gibberellic acid? Do you like trying to get more plant growth out there? And are there certain crops that you think guys can generally benefit using a gibberellic acid early? So really the only place that I like a gib acid is going to be in our rice crop. That helps get that plant out of out of the ground, get some size on it so we can get a flood on it quicker. Um, we do not have a problem getting height on, on our corn, <laughs> no. our bean crop. No, you sure don't. Like that. <clears throat> we, you know, we, we planted we planted beans this year, March the 16th, with, with the whole purpose of hoping to short them up, shorten them up. And, and we did shorten them up, and we bushed them out a lot. So, you know, I hope that's a positive for us. To, to find that but you know if we plant if we plant the first of april our, our crops are going to get really really tall on us so you know we're looking to shorten them up instead of you know to expand uh, length in the air nodes hey one thing that kip brought up too is sometimes guys will will load up on one hormone and it gets the plants out of balance i wonder if that's something too like you mentioned iba and cytokine and we use those as well on our farm and uh, a lot of times you do get the plants out of balance, and they're more focused on root growth. They're more focused on branching than they are, than they are on necessarily getting taller. Is that kind of something that you consciously think about as well? Uh, you know, I, you, you think about balance, and we start thinking about balance in the plant when we start with fertility in the soil, and we always talk about wanting to balance our soils. You know, even even Neil Kinsey talks about he wants to balance the soils. And that we know that, you know, in my opinion, balancing the soils is an impossible thing to do. That's, that is, you're taking something so massive and trying to make something so precise out of it. We just want to be close. Uh, you know, and, and I agree with Kip. You go to throw in one, you know, too much jib or, or too much IBA at it, then the plant goes to thinking, well, I need to do this or I need to do that. And it forgets about what it's there for and it's there to, it's there to produce fruit. So you've got to be careful, I think, and, and, and use things proportionally. Uh, use products that are balanced up. You know, I'm, I'm not one that get, goes out there and throws all IBA out or all cytokines or, uh, or all jibs. You know, I, let's keep it balanced up so we, we get the overall end result, and that's produce more yield. As you look this year at the crop, Rob, you said you've had some wind, you've had some heavy rains, you've got standability issues in some of the corn, which, uh, let's face it, when the wind blows and you've got massive heavy rains like you've had, it's pretty hard for anything to stand out there. Is there anything you found to help with that? Uh, I know we get a lot of questions about green snap and about lodging in crops. Are plant hormones one of the spots that you could get some help? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um the, the the seems like the corn that we had that that, that went down and and yep yeah you know, we had a lot of green snap and, and root lodging in was the corn that was not yet tasseled uh once that corn started to tassel it seems like it fared through this weather pretty well and it seems like it's that way every year the the younger corn it's in that that v10 to v13 range it just boy in these these type of weather events it just puts it on the chin yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. That's been our experience up here too. Once we get the tassel, we're a lot safer than than the in between stages out there. That's for sure. And we're talking with Rob Deadman down in Arkansas. They had some some pretty tough weather. There have been a lot of people that have, that have been really stressed out with that heavy rains, flooding, lots of cloudy weather. Rob, I hope uh, the sun comes out for you soon down there and things can get a little more back to normal. 
Uh, we're looking forward to irrigating this year. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, I hope you need to at some point along the way here with all these heavy rains. Hopefully, uh, yeah, you get back to a situation and get back out in those fields. Rob, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck. Uh-huh. Have a great day. You too. All right, number of things there too, Brian. I, I like that tip, and we don't talk about rice a lot on the show, but Rob said gibberellic acid early helps get some size on that rice so they can put the flood on a little bit sooner, and that, that can be a real big deal for them. Uh, the other thing that Rob talked about was sugar, and I know a lot of times we talk about just something to feed the crop, some kind of a, a source out there for carbon in this case, or fertilizer and mixing that with these plant growth hormones. We haven't been big sugar guys here. It hasn't really had a huge response on its own, but there's certainly a lot of things that go into to making many things work. Yep. A lot of times it's a combination. So it also depends on your situation, what else you've fed to that crop and stages. And I mean, there there is a lot that goes into it. So yeah, we're we're very excited all the time to talk to people who are having success with things that um, that we haven't tried before or things we haven't figured out how to make work before. And uh, hopefully we get some insight into that because what we're all trying to do is just figure out how we can be more profitable on the farm, how we can raise better yields cost effectively and go from there. All right. Uh, so we've got just a little bit of time left today. We're talking about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. If you've got any questions for us, just uh, give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, that's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. I mean, when we talk about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones, it can sound a little, number one, confusing, and number two, you go, yeah, I don't know, all that stuff sounds like snake oil. And is that really going to help me? Is there really a difference? So coming up right after our break, we're going to talk to another farmer who's been using plant growth regulators, plant growth hormones with good success over the years. So we've got that coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees, too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. We're talking about plant growth regulators and plant hormones, and it's been interesting just talking with growers already this year. And here we are, only in the first part of June. We've got all kinds of different stresses out there, and uh, one farmer who knows a lot about stressful growing conditions is Lee Lubers. He farms in South Central South Dakota. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. All right, so you got a lot of different crops that get raised in your area, and certainly you're used to these hot and dry years. What kind of conditions are you getting right now, and how do you respond to that and, and protect your crop so it, it uh, is a little more defensive and ready to go when we have stress coming? Uh, right now we're running about 95 to 100 every day and <laughs> ready for a rain. Uh, we're just finishing putting on uh, head scab treatment, uh, right now this afternoon on our wheat and we're actually included a biological in on it to help reduce stress. So we've had a lot of experience with bio, with biologicals and PGRs and they, they're a great niche for us. We've worked with them for a long time and the more we work with them, the more niches we find for them from in furrow to even reducing stress foliar. You know, one of the things about these PGRs that's been complicated is that you've got PGRs that are in products as inert ingredients. Do you find, do you run into that where you're mixing things and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I had no idea that I had a hormone in there and I was also adding one to the mix. Now I doubled up or, or maybe I saw more benefit than I should. And I'm wondering why, and it turned out to be a, a hormone or a PGR. Uh, we always look at the content of everything and try to do some jar tests when we remember to do it. And uh, our rule is if we apply uh, a good PGR, something like MegaGrow in furrow uh, on corn, we will not follow post because we don't want to overexcite the plant. We've already done the job that we needed to. We already triggered the plant at, uh, at the root level, and now it's, it's in the plant, so we don't have to worry about applying. 
if we haven't done inferral, then we'll do foliar. Uh, on soybeans, uh, we traditionally do foliar with Roundup. And we uh, not only spur the plant and see a noticeable difference, we also uh, really reduce uh, yellow flash by doing that. Yeah, that's been a big deal. We've done the same thing on our farm, putting putting Grow in this case with our Roundup, and yeah, it's been that's been awesome. That's been really a good deal, especially on dry years like this. We see that's one that can help incite some more root growth out there. What do you see with your root systems right now when you when you are so hot and dry, and you do some digging? Are, are you finding moisture down deep? Are the roots going exceptionally deep this year? Uh, our winter wheat it's uh, about ready to run on empty. It's starting to show a little bit of stress here. Uh, during the day, but it's holding in surprisingly well. Earlier, we did a PGR on it because we actually had frost damage in about the middle of May. And an application of that, right when we applied it right when it was getting ready to tiller, is when we got the frost damage. And in two days, it was night and day difference. We had such a burst in cell growth, and it really rebounded from the frost. The one thing I've noticed as we're applying head scab treatment, our fields headed out nice and even. And I've noticed a lot of other fields around us where it was not applied and they're still heading out uneven from the frost damage. Huh. So uh, we saw multiple benefits there. Yeah, that that is really interesting. And it's it's kind of fun, too, that you've got different crops. So here you go with winter wheat that we're at the finish line here, getting close to it. So you can make some observations there. And we got some others that are really just getting going out in the field. Uh, Lee, I guess anything else to, to leave us with here at this growing season? Any tips you'd have or just things we should be on the lookout for? Uh, we've noticed uh, where we combine uh, PGRs with uh, biology inferral. We see a synergistic effect. And my recommendation to people is don't be afraid of PGRs. Be willing to try them. Uh, don't have the doubt about, you know, something that's a two-ounce rate or a one-ounce rate. If you're initiating triggers in the plant. Once you do that, you're off and rocking. I mean, it's, uh, they really work well. Uh, we're very pleased working with PGRs over the years. Yeah, years like this where we have high commodity prices, we see a lot of growers experimenting with things, and sometimes on a large scale. We just always encourage you, just like what Lee was saying here and, and our other guests earlier today, experiment with some of these things. Try a little bit out on a small scale so you know when you get to a year like this that there's there's a little more stress than I'm used to. I may, may want to use one of these, or I've got a chance for high yields. I may want to use a PGR that you've got some experience and you know what the ROI is going to be. Lee, thanks for sharing today. Really appreciate that. Thanks for what you do, and good luck here the rest of the season. Hey, thanks a lot. You know, one thing that, that uh, we talk about a lot with these PGRs is just getting over the, the fear of trying them, like Lee was saying, and then some of these low use rates. And I like that Lee said we're really initiating a trigger within the plant and just trying to get that plant to to head down a little different path or grow a little bit faster or, or do something just a little bit different. It isn't like we have to deliver gallons and gallons of stuff to make that happen. So sometimes low use rates of, of many things scare people off and get people thinking, ah, it's just going to be another snake oil or something like that. But it, it doesn't, it oftentimes doesn't take a huge amount of product to, to set a trigger off like Lee was talking about.
All right, Brandon, step back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. We had a question come from CK. said, you guys often talk about GIS and GPS-assisted farming technologies. Just wondering, what are some examples that you use on your farm? Where do you see GPS being such a big deal for your operation? Two quick examples I'll give you are in the fall. So the first one is soil sampling, where you can use your phone and it will bring you, you're able to go right to an exact point that we have set in the field for grid sampling. And then you can pull soil cores right around that spot. So now you can repeat that year after year if you want. And the other thing, because we have a GPS spot, we can trace that back to what's the yield in that area. So that's super, super helpful. So now with all these data points and matching them all up to yield, and soil tests, we can see if, just for example, does more zinc pay or less? Does more nitrogen pay or less? We got the answers to those things. It's awesome. It's really helping our farm and especially the profitability. Um, and then the other big thing is in the fall, strip till. So the nice thing with the GPS, and we even have sub-inch accuracy for our GPS because we have ground correction, um, we can make nice rows for our planter and we can follow those then in the spring. So we're able to run our equipment on auto steer. Now granted we still have to turn around the ends and and go around the contours and things like that but for the straight rows it's awesome. So we are very repeatable and the reason why that's a big deal is when we're able to with our planter able to hit that strip that we made in the fall we're going to get higher yields we're going to get faster emergence we get faster uptake of the fertilizer so it's it's awesome those are just two quick examples I've got of how it's really serving a benefit or really creating a benefit for our farm. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one uh, from Aaron out in Montana. And he said, are there any herbicide options for controlling weeds in flax, especially flax grown for seed? And, you know, that's a an interesting question. When we think about flax, we don't have a lot of great post-emerge options generally in flax, and it does vary depending on where you're at and what your geography is. So obviously in Montana, you'll, you'll have to check and see what's labeled in your area. But pre-emerge, we see a lot of growers doing kind of like oh, wait, what we wait, do. Wait, 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 wait. Is that all you're going to say about post-emerge? Well, I'm going to list out some products oh, here. Oh, well, go ahead. You just said it, then you turned to pre, and well, you're I like, just... oh, look up the labels. Oh, well, okay. So pre-emerge you can use trifluralin, you can use Spartan or Sulfentrazone. A lot of growers using Spartan Charge, depending on pricing, where you've got Carfentrazone in there with it. Sometimes you can get that cheaper than you can buy a straight Sulfentrazone. And then the other one that you can use pre, and I'm not certain this is labeled everywhere, but you can use Mesotrione pre. So you could use Callisto potentially pre. You can't use it post in flax, but I know there are some growers that are putting out an ounce and a half or even up to three ounces in a pre situation. I didn't know they'd gotten that labeled now. Okay. Post emerge, there are a lot of grass choices like Clethodim, post, Assure to those types of things can all be used post-emerge for grass. But for broadleaves, we see a lot of growers using Bucktril or Bromoxanil. 
uh, MCPA can get used. In some areas, Curtail M, I think, is, has gotten some uh, supplemental labeling. So that might be a choice for you to get a 2,4-D and Stinger combination out in some flax. But that's about it post-emerge. So, yeah, it's really important to do a good job pre as much as you can. So things like the Sulfentrazone or Spartan and Trefland would be good options. Thanks for the question, Aaron. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.